Well, it is the end of the season. Schools are wrapping up and the orchestra seasons are winding down. For many musicians, this time either means some serious relaxing and recovering from all that craziness, or gearing up for a summer festival, and maybe some of both. For others, it may mean staying home and working a job for a while. So this time can be difficult to manage, though, without the external pressure of lessons or concerts. If you drift for too long, the summer can pass you by without feeling like you got anything accomplished. So how do we stay focused, stay motivated, but still have some fun, and maybe work that romantic interest you've had your eye on? All that and more, coming up. Well, welcome back to the First Circus Podcast. This is a show designed to encourage and inspire classical musicians to have happy, successful, creative, musical, and taco-filled services. Well, maybe not that last one, if that's not your thing. Although, I did just have some street tacos the other day. Oh, they were so good. Anyways, we talk about what it's like being a musician in this freelance economy because we want to get better. We want to do work that matters, and we want that for you as well. My name is Michael Giblin, and I run the website orchestraexcerpts.com, but there's so much more to being a musician than just being able to play excerpts in an audition really well, which is what that site is designed to do. So this podcast is where I'm joined by my amazing colleagues, Jessica Wiersma, Anna Luce, and Christian Marshall, to talk about what really matters. And you can learn more about who we are by visiting our show notes page for this episode, which is www.perservice.co slash 29, like the numbers. One last thing, we would like to thank Fix Music Publishing for providing the hosting for the show. For your sheet music needs, go visit fixmusic.com. They're piloting a program where they set up a portal for schools and teachers, and the schools or teachers can pick the music that appears, and they can easily point their students to that page or website and know that the student will not only get the right music, but get it at a great price and get it quickly. And they offer discounts or revenue share, depending on the size of the program. So go visit fixmusic.com. Again, that's F-I-C-K-S music.com. And don't forget to use the promo code HERSERVICE to get 10% off your order. Okay, here is the show. It's a rough start. Ooh. Here we are. Shake it up. Ah, so are you guys all done with your orchestra seasons or Not gig yet. seasons? You still got? Oh, we I had I had my big season finale. I played Mahler too. Yeah, how was it? Which you nice. bailed on? Yeah, just bailed. Way to back out yeah. last minute. She sucks. <laughs> I, yeah. I really wanted to do it. I got to, right. got to cross off the old Mahler too off the old bucket list. Was it so, the first time you played yeah, it? Yeah, it was the first time I played oh, it. Oh, nice. I only Did have, you love it? I I. I Whew, it's tricky. There, there were definitely parts. There are definitely parts that I love. That were like yes, because it's just like really that first page is just like you jump into it and you're just like yeah. so good. I don't know. There, it, there's kind of some. There's some big space out moments where you're just like, there's like, you got big rests and there's kind of nothing going on, and you're just like, oh, okay. I don't. Oh. Know, it's interesting, but it's 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 strange. It's a strangely paced piece. Oh, I freaking love that piece. Yeah. No, it's. 
and then the, the the also the end is like it's super loud but it's also not really the most gratifying thing to play because it's just like eh, it's, it's like the loud. best b major scale of all times <laughs> <laughs> i suppose i'm there so there were definitely some things that was like this is awesome and then there were some things like eh, okay it's just it's just really loud this kind of hurts <laughs> And it hurts me. It's loud and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts I also me. the last couple of pages, like with all the tremolo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that, I remember doing it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm crying because it's beautiful or because oh, my arm is about to fall yeah, off. Yeah, just a lot of tremolo. Mm-hmm. was uh the end of my season and now it's kind of summertime here at least for me what anything else we have two weeks left well symphony here is two weeks left of the regular season where it's a break week this week and then two weeks of the regular season and then it goes into summer Uh season nice christian do you have any is it sort of no i have a another concert tonight our final of our baroque season and then uh, there's one more symphony program in June, but I canceled that. So I never have to experience that conductor again. <laughs> and right? that's what I told management. See you later. Um, Auf Wiedersehen. Exactly. Auf Wiedersehen. And then um, I'm playing Nutcracker and Swan Lake the last week of June. What? And that's what we're... This this is what's good. I've heard about this like in, in Europe that like Nutcracker is a year-long... Uh, yeah. Peace. It's not like in America, it's like only December. You can only play it at Christmas. Exactly. Time. Do they do Christmas sets? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't think it's Christmas state. involved. Oh, gosh, maybe it is going to be staged. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, because the opera here is getting a new um, music director and she's coming to conduct it. And she's, uh, I think, Russian or Ukrainian. Anyway, and she's coming and that's the program Swan Lake and Nutcracker. And that was in an interview. She was like, yeah, we play it year round. And I was like, well, <laughs> First time for everything. I know. That's what I've heard. So, I just like, then I'm looking forward to a well, gig-wise, I'll say, viola-free summer. I will be doing a lot of practicing. I have an audition in September I want to take in Sweden. Ooh. So most of my viola playing this summer will be woodshedding and woodshedding <laughs> again. <laughs> How about you, Miss Anna? Um, my orchestral season right. is about to begin, seeing as the entirety of my year was all like chamber music. <laughs> I had like two, two, I feel like only two orchestral like experiences this year. I don't know. It's very orchestra light. Yeah. Uh, but I, the beginning of June, I do some orchestra staff oh, and yeah. then a festival with an Ooh. orchestra. <laughs> it's funny because mm-hmm. I feel like it's super weird when I play in a big group of people now. Right. It's a strange life. And without like a monitor above your stand, right? Also and that. Like... <laughs> yeah. Wow. So this is kind of that time of year where it's like most of the, the school year has ended or the orchestra seasons have ended. At least for us, there's sort of a shift. What a lot of musicians do this summer is there's there's kind of the big summer festival experience. And we should be noted again, like this is where the four of us all met was through a summer festival. But we are talking today about setting yourself up for a successful summer, whether it is at a summer festival or... 
not at a summer festival because we've both we've all done both either where you go to a summer festival or you don't. So I ask you guys to come up with a couple points for things to keep in mind to have a good summer, whatever it may look like for you. So uh, to start off, I guess first a good distinction is there are just kind of the different kinds of festivals that we're talking about. And for me, mostly I've gone to the festivals where you go and you study with a teacher or there's a couple teachers there that you are interested in studying with. And there's probably also like an orchestra or a band or there's uh, chamber music, but it's usually also implied that you're just practicing a lot and then maybe there's some sort of ensemble. Is that kind of the festivals that you guys have done? Yeah, I've also done a couple of festivals where you're paid to go. And then those don't usually have the lessons, yeah. lesson feature. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they, they bring in guest artists sometimes, you know, to solo with the orchestra or something. And sometimes you can get lessons, you know, with them, but it's not like a guarantee. Right. So those are probably kind of for more advanced yes. players. Like once you once you're out of school and you're like, all right, now it's time to get paid to go to camp instead right. of paying to study with these prestigious uh, teachers. So let's focus first on the first bit about when you're going to a camp that like there's orchestra, there's, there's chamber music, there's lessons and there's practicing. What are some pieces of advice you have for your, if you could tell your younger self, some pieces of advice to keep in mind, what would they be? Um, The first one I would say, do the majority of your practicing before the festival. So good. And I think Quite often, um, I think especially younger students during undergrad and maybe even in a bit of grad school, you have this mentality or mindset where you're like, oh, okay, you know, semester's done. I finished that rep. Time to learn something new. I'm going to go take it to the teacher and learn it this Mm -hmm. summer. And that's great to learn something uh, with a new teacher and kind of see how they might build a piece. But most of the time you're going to study with someone during the summer that you don't study with during the academic year. So this is maybe, maybe you'll have four lessons, six lessons. If you're really lucky, it's a place where you get two a week. So you might have eight or 12, just depending on, you know, how long the festival is Uh or how intense it is. You know, I think maybe it might be a little bit more popular here in Europe, but there's this masterclass idea where you go to a festival um, and it's basically just only private lessons and you watch everyone's lessons and you can have a lesson every other day for mm-hmm. 10 days, 12 days, two weeks, you know, just that sort of thing. Intense. And this is a really special time to get as much out of a great artist. And so you don't want to spend all of your time being like, oh, what fingering should I use here? Or like, should this be a down bow or an up bow? Right. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't have much yeah. time to practice yesterday because I was hanging out with these awesome new people I just met. <laughs> and so I think it's really great, you know, take repertoire you've got under your fingers. Maybe it's not something that you've worked that much on with your private teacher during the year, but it's something you really feel confident on. So you can really get these artistic ideas from the right. person you're studying with. You know, you can really take some solid repertoire to a new level and, and experience some nice, fine, um, detail woodshedding. I think that's something I really missed out on. I learned a lot of great repertoire during summers and I've learned a lot from summer teachers, but looking back, I think I could have gotten so much more if I had done my practicing leading up to the festival, really take three weeks before and just learn that repertoire, you know, treat that as your boot camp. So when you're there, you know, you can listen to these other lessons. I did something last year. I, t- I took one of these master classes, and down the hall is, you know, Zacher Braun 
and Lucas Hagen and uh, Misha Maisky. And like, I don't have time to go listen to their lessons because I'm practicing for mine because I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. And that's just a real shame. You know, that's something I really would recommend. Yeah. I've been on and I've been on both sides of that. Like I've definitely gone to lessons at a camp and been like, hey, I want to learn this new concerto. Yeah. Will you yeah, teach it exactly. to me? And then the teacher's like, okay, well, here are some fingerings, but... Um, mm-hmm. you don't have anything to play. Let's just uh, open up your sub checkbook and uh, do something. And it's like that's no fun. That you don't. Nobody wants to just just play etudes in a lesson. Because, but it's like you don't have anything to play. I'm not going to go through this note by note and, and teach you. And then on the other side, I've had I've taught at summer festivals where students come in and they're like, I have to, I have to learn all this music for my audition in the fall, and I don't know any of it. And it's like, okay, well. <laughs> like this is we're just we're just going to go note by note here it's a real you you don't make any progress well i shouldn't say that i should say no, that's that, not yeah. true you do make progress but it's not the type that you really could get out of a summer festival yeah i think especially for these ones that are maybe chamber music and practice oriented i think it's hard i remember going to the chamber music practice oriented ones and like that was great i was in the zone i was focused all day long making the most of lessons and then later in life it got harder to balance being at an orchestral camp where you have the opportunity for lessons etc and chamber music but then i'd spend all my time on orchestral rep and uh quartet music or chamber music and then i would not find the time for the solo rep that was, I always had a struggle with that. And then mm-hmm. I felt like I was missing out on solo opportunities because there'd be a master class you could sign up for. And I'd be like, well, I don't have solo stuff ready because I'm doing all this other chamber orchestral stuff. Uh-huh. It's, it's tricky. I remember that feeling. You're like, I want to make the most of this experience, but I can't. I'm not. I don't have <laughs> enough hours in the day. There have been times, too, that I've gone to like practice intensive ones. But then you also have to still do chamber. You know, they had requirements that you had to do. And your days fill up really quickly. At the chamber music ones, did you learn the chamber music ahead of time or did you get there and they placed you in a group and they assigned you a repertoire? So actually the one chamber intensive I did, we were, oh man, I'll never forget. We were assigned Death and the Maiden. Yes. And you know, it's like the first day that I was playing first violin and they're like, we had a coaching. What? (laughs) 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 And I mean, they knew that we had just gotten the music, so it wasn't like... Yeah. Why isn't this flawless now? It, right. It wasn't that, but I just remember like sight reading someone. I was like, ah. Well, I mean, but for that, like we were rehearsing, I, I think like five to six hours a day. Yeah. We had, cause we had to perform the, the piece in its entirety. And then you're supposed to practice after, and you're also like trying to hang out with people and you're in New York city. So you're trying to do things. And right. So I didn't sleep a ton. <laughs> remember that. Camp in New York is not a good idea. I remember when I was there, I was like, it's a really good thing I don't go to school here because I would accomplish absolutely nothing in my life. I feel like the that's the 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 new world people. I don't know how they get any work done like being right on Miami Beach and be like, I would just be at the I would be at the beach. Oh, yeah, I'd I just, be at the beach. I'd just be at the beach. When I was there practicing the and you you're looking outside and you're like, There's an ocean right there and I'm practicing Schumann Scherzo? What? This is a terrible idea. I should be out there, not in here. Yeah. I guess that's why yeah. a lot of summer festivals are like out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. My first chamber intensive and solo camp, I think I was 15. It was six weeks long and it was in Vermont mm-hmm. and we had our own rooms and bathrooms. Like we were staying in ski lodges 
but they we each had our own room. Wait, where was this? Killington. Nice. Is this Killington? <sighs> and it was like one of the first years Killington existed, and they had like this amazing chef. But we had to. This was great. We had to practice. I think the four hours a day minimum. And there there were assigned uh-huh. practicing hours, which I will say, if you're a younger person. Assigned practicing hours are the way to go for most personalities. Oh, but totally, it was. But we best. also had we also had cable TV in our rooms. Really? <laughs> and so uh, I had, knew <laughs> this one cellist. Well, and it was, it was chamber music, right? So I was 15. I was playing the Brahms One Quartet. Is that the one that goes da 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 da? It's hard. It's a hard piece for a 15 year old. But in, in the same right. thing, like it was a sign when you got there and then my cellist in the quartet, he would make recordings of him practicing and then play that during yes. practice hours. <laughs> so it sounded like he was yep. practicing. Did you guys have people like wandering the halls? Yeah. To make sure Our, like, we had like an oh, RA, yeah. a hall oh, monitor no that lived on that floor to make sure at night we weren't doing anything super crazy because we were underage and whatever. Right. Which, All right. So Anna's advice is make recordings of yourself practicing and broadcast. No, it's not my advice. <laughs> but I think that I think that if you want to get a lot of practicing done and you're at an intense camp where you do socialize because it's inevitable, it's great. Like if there are not assigned practice hours, you should make your own. That's so funny, Anna. I did a camp that was like very close to there that in Ludlow, Vermont. Yeah. And it was, but we didn't have any narcs. We were just literally left to our own devices. Narcs. narcs. <laughs> the, uh, the authorities. Narcotics. We, no, I'm pretty sure those were present, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I was like 14 the first time I went for six weeks. Wow. <laughs> it's like a lot for it was great teenager kids though. That's a long time. Yeah. But we home. also had cable. And it was great. And I had like four roommates. Wow. We lived in a ski condo. It was amazing. We practiced a ton mm-hmm. and then would have parties at night. But I mean, like gatherings, they were t- tame. Yeah, you're, you're still a bunch of awkward musicians. Exactly. Can you pass the cream soda? Exactly. Oh. I definitely had my first kiss at the Vermont camp. First kiss from one of those random all night hangs. Whoa. hey So this brings up a good topic. This is that we've all sort of mentioned that there's this conflict of time management that there's a lot of practicing you have to do. Like a lot of times there's like the four hour mandatory and then there's chamber music. And then, but then a big aspect is the social hang and the romantic interest. So how do you, how do you balance, <laughs> how do you balance all those or how do you, uh, cause there, I mean like, that's a big part of why we go to summer festivals is because there's these net networking, getting to know people. The music world is a very small world and we meet a lot of people at these summer festivals. And also it's a summer and there's always like the romantic interest part that, <sighs> yeah, you know, so funny. Well, you know, I would always go in with big plans, like yeah. big, big plans. goals All right. that were unattainable. They were unrealistic. Can you give us an example? Like romantic what? big goals or, yeah. or- <laughs> Like concertos, no, Paganini's, yeah, like I would be like, like okay, what? I'm gonna, and you know, in my mind, it all made sense because it's like, okay, I'm gonna have three lessons a week, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like it's just three lessons a week, and the rest of the time is just practice time. So it's like, okay, you have 24 hours a day, <laughs> right? To like practice and do things, and so I would go and be like, okay, I'm gonna learn this concerto and this Bach, and. I'm going to work on these etudes and work on this technical issue. And I'm going to come home 
and you know, my teacher's gonna be like, Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. <laughs> and I then you, you realize you get there and you start and you realize you don't practice 24 hours a day. Like that's <laughs> right. Unrealistic. Hopefully it shouldn't be. Yeah. So anyway, sometimes the, the way my brain works is I like come in with a plan and then if that plan is derailed, I'm sometimes just like, oh, well, <laughs> all of <laughs> Wait, and you like throw it out. You're just like, ah, I guess no plan is, is better than a failed plan. Well, no, I mean, I kind of am like, sometimes I, I, I wasn't always great at readjusting my plan to fit the actual mm-hmm. situation. I would just be like, oh, okay. So I guess I'll just like practice, but like whatever happens, mm-hmm. happens. Cause it's not realistic that I'm going to learn two concertos and all of this other stuff, you know? So... I would say I've done better though when I go in with realistic plans. Like for example, there have been times, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. There was one time we went back to Masterworks and all of us were there and I knew everyone was coming. Mm-hmm. So my plan was to just have fun that summer. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, I could go in with a plan to yeah. get some stuff done, but that's or, not going to happen. Or, or let's just be just, real. We can all just Or I could out. just be like, you know what? I need a break. I'm going to, you know practice and do what I need to do, obviously, but I'm basically also just going to hang out with my friends. Yep. Well, I'll say what I needed at that point in my yeah, life. No, but having a plan I think is great. Cause it's also like, Oh, if there's a, a great teacher there that you might want to study with for next year or, you know, and for your next degree or something, even if you're not assigned to that teacher, like you can still make a plan and be proactive about like, Hey, I'm going to meet this person and I'm going to, right. Well, and that's also like, I would always bring a piece or two that was prepared for those moments. Cause you know, or if like a guest artist came in and I wanted a lesson, cause then I would have something that was prepared Mm -hmm. to play for them as opposed to being like, here's my working piece that I can barely get through. Right. That doesn't demonstrate anything and they're not going to want to start. That doesn't work out well. That's what I was going to say, because you know, there are always recital opportunities at these practice and chamber music camps. And I think if you can avoid practicing the chamber music, that's great. (laughs) Like if you're able, if you're a first violin and death in the maiden, you're probably going to have to practice that part. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, you shouldn't have to spend hours a day slaving away on your chamber pieces. That should just be assigned in your chamber music hours. Right. Um, But I think that, you know, always have, like Jess is saying, a piece or two in your back pocket that you can perform. Uh-huh. If you and like know your goal beforehand is your goal to get more performance experience or to learn new pieces. Uh-huh. Most of us would go for both. So have your prepared pieces and then definitely have your goal pieces. And if you don't meet all four of those pieces or whatever, don't shoot yourself like anywhere. Don't beat yourself up, I think is what I was going for. All right. Yeah. Um, Festivals yeah. are major resume builders or they're great. There's like chock full of opportunities to pad your bio of like, oh, I played in a masterclass for all these people and I performed under these conductors and I and have, I don't know. There's all there's all sorts of opportunities if you're the person that's ready to play. And if you're the person that is nowhere to be found, yeah, they're not going to ask you to perform in a masterclass. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think, just further uh, proof that being ready to play is 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 a big part of having a good camp. Uh, Christian, how do you manage the, all the, the practicing and the social aspect stuff? Is there, is there any other keys you, you found for making that go successfully? Uh, no. I mean, Um, I feel like unless you're going to be that person or those select people that are extremely disciplined the entire summer, which is totally possible. I've seen it done a million times. It's just usually not me. It's been great to meet people from other festivals and like you run into them later on in life. You know, meeting people is, is good. 
Absolutely. You know what I, mean? I will I will take that back. Actually, I think I did learn something. So for the early years, basically nine out of ten of my like summer festival experience, I definitely suffered from FOMO. FOMO. And I think like just because I'm a naturally social person and I met so many cool people and really you guys, you know, friends for life that like I loved hanging out. There was always somebody to hang out with. And so naturally I wasn't at the festival really to just only practice. And so I would mostly socialize. But the last year I went, this last year that I think it was the year that Jessica just, you Mm -hmm. know, wanted to have fun. Um, (laughs) Same for me. I wound up getting (laughs) the viola solo. I understand. I got the viola solo in um, the ballet Giselle. Giselle. By Adam. And so that was like this, you know, 10 minute long solo or whatever. And I had to... And it was really good for me to realize like, you know, no, I want to perform this well. And then I realized the social time I'm having, the quality doesn't diminish if I practice. I'm not going to miss out on anything. Like the quality when I go socialize is just as good. And then I reminded myself to think like of the years past. And there were people I really liked that were super disciplined. And I knew that they were practicing. And when they came to hang out afterwards, it was super fun. And I didn't think that they ever missed out on anything. And so that was really good for me to kind of remind myself, hey, the socializing Mm -hmm. is awesome. And it will be just as awesome after I practice this passage for 45 minutes or after I've done you know, my two and a half hours a day that I kind of set for myself. Totally. Christian, um, do you remember when we did P90X though? It was one of our hangs and we were yes. like, yeah, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. We did that once and I was like, yeah, we did it that. one time. We're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to practice and then we're going to go do P90X. And we did. And we we're like, well, that was a nice one time. Was that with Elena? <laughs> and she was, she was doing yeah. P90X. Yeah. And Caleb. Yeah. That is so funny. That sort of is a question I have is a lot of people choose to do like organized sports at the festivals. Like, Hey, we're all going to play soccer. We're going to play ultimate Frisbee. And Isn't that just masterworks though. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because I got to tell you at all the other festivals I've yeah, been to, I've never, that does what? not happen. No, I've been, I went to the, uh, international music Academy in Pilsen, what IMAP. Yeah. In Pilsen in Czech Republic. And like, Soccer was just like, or football, football. I guess you might want. Football <laughs> was all the rage. I mean, there were just oh, like people sure. like all all evening just playing soccer. And I've had some bad experiences <laughs> breaking bones playing soccer. And 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 and, not, and also while we were there, like there's always somebody who gets injured or there's like collides with somebody else mm-hmm. in the dark. Or um, So I've never been a big uh, fan. Obviously, uh, my weight would be an indication of uh, how not a big fan <laughs> of uh, uh, those are. And also, it's like they're not really great for socializing because you get all sweaty. And then also, if you're trying to work your romantic interest, uh, it's, it's <laughs> like you know, it's not going to be. You know, it they don't really uh, coincide. Hilarious. I tried to work my romantic interest. I played ultimate frisbee at Masterworks once, and the frisbee because it was midnight hit me in the corner right. of my eye, and it was bruised for like uh, six yeah. years. <laughs> six yeah. years. I'm wow. not kidding it hurt for Dramatic. so long it really did <laughs> <laughs> i will oh, say God. this i have one comment on the romantic aspect and then the second comment on the like general socialization <laughs> maybe i'll maybe i'll swap it around the first one is a great piece of advice 
is to be nice to everybody because even somebody you might have little contact with might remember you as a great player. And when they're looking for a second violinist, you want to have a good reputation in their mind. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something, you know, like at a festival, you might meet somebody that later on that you remember and you're like, ah, that person was super nice and they were a really fine player. Mm -hmm. Like, let's invite them. Right. So that's important. Jess is laughing about I'm sorry, losing it. When you're like, you might remember people. And it's, I'm just remembering all of the like <laughs> stories about people that I haven't talked to in years that I yeah, totally same. remember. I'm like, They're hilarious. Yes. I'm having yeah. flashbacks. This is kind of a trigger. Actually. <laughs> sorry. It's a good thing. They're not appropriate for now, but I'll tell you. My second piece of advice regarding socializing and the romantic aspect yeah, is to. Okay, no matter how small a festival is, do not lock yourself down within the first third to half of the festival. <laughs> so the so summer true. is long, my friend. Yeah. And good advice. And you think you know everyone at the festival within the first day, but that is not true because you'll all of a sudden be in a masterclass and be like, who is that fine lady tearing up Sibelius or something like that, you know? <laughs> and then, yep. and, and then you're like, "Ugh, why have I spent the last three nights on the hood of my Nissan Xterra with someone else? <laughs> watching <laughs> <Ultimate Disney." laughs> you know, and so just, oh, sounds like just a very right, personal like, experience, Chris. No, actually yeah. not at all, but I just wanted to make you guys laugh. Right. And, but, and, if, and if things go bad in the middle of the festival, there's a lot, there's a whole lot of rehearsals where you have to see that person. So, uh, so you know. Christian's, Christian's advice is to play the field. Play the field <laughs> for at least like what? For half, least, three quarters no, of the camp? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Get to know your options. Get to know your options. Yes, basically yeah. for at least the first third save, to half of the best. Save the all-nighter really, on the I Nissan I feel like Xterra. it's really your, your first festival that is the eye-opener. Your first like four to six week camp away from home, which probably nobody listening to this podcast is going to have their first experience. <laughs> so this may be completely irrelevant, what we're all talking about. But those are eye-opening for sure. Just like a bunch of hormones running around. It's disgusting. <laughs> but in, in, even later in life. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I calmed down. My first one was questionable. And then the other ones like were either no love interest or, uh-huh. or Greg, who I married. Or, or Greg, you your right? husband. Right. Bye. Who you met at camp. your summer festival, right? Yeah. Look you out. Sometimes camp. you meet your future spouse. But... In a serious note, in a serious note, no, that's the oh, wrong preposition. On a serious note. On a serious on. note. One thing that I think is also eye-opening about these festivals, especially maybe your first and or second, you know, four to six week thing is, you know, you come together with these people from all over the country, mayhap the world. <laughs> Perhaps. And you, and you, you know, hear other great players. And, you know, I think it's a really good check for yourself to be like, Ooh, especially if you're from like a small town where you're kind of like if you're a big deal, yeah, a tap dog, you mm-hmm. know, it's a reality check, and it's like, oh, okay, like I have work to do. That kid's seven years old and kicking my butt, or you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. That was one of my first years at 
and Pilsen, there were three violinists who were preparing for the Queen Elizabeth violin competition. My roommate yeah. was at my first thing, and I was, I was like, like, okay. <laughs> and they would give these recitals of like, you know, and they had to play a complete concerto, yeah. three Paganese, mm-hmm. entire Bach. Yeah. I'm just like, what the heck am I doing here? Yeah, my first yeah. festival like that, my one of my roommates was, it's very strange. I was 14 and she was 25. I'm sure she was thrilled. But um, she <sighs> was preparing for that. And I'm trying to learn Barbara Violin Concerto. So you're in a little different yeah. place in life. It was, it was great. It was very inspiring. And she was very encouraging. And so it worked out really well. But be a little, yeah, be, it's a be good a little check. humble when you, when yeah. you first show up until, until you figure out where everybody but is. But like Christian said, you know, don't get caught up in the FOMO thing or the romantic interest thing. Like there's time to socialize, prioritize your music learning because that really is in the long run mm-hmm. what matters even though it feels like it's secondary it's primary my last piece of advice mm-hmm. one word croquet <laughs> call it what you want <sighs> i know that it's maybe it's elitist and nerdy whatever but for the late night uh, social hang a little bit of activity nice social uh group community building activity Croquet is just the way to go. And it's, and it's safe for your hands. Right? <laughs> Nobody's going to hurt you. You're not going to collide with anybody in the, in the dark playing, oh, you got a little, like a light up frisbee. That's great. But everybody else is still in the dark. So you say croquet. I say steak and shake. Right. Oh, that too. Oh, yeah. Oh. We went to, that was my late night activity. To to steak and shake all the time. Good times. <laughs> so I guess this brings us to the end of, of that. If I guess on a different note, my summer festival days are kind of over. I don't, Unless, I mean, every once in a while, one will come up where I might do one that pays for a couple of weeks or something. But for the most part, uh, I'm not doing the summer camps and I haven't for a while. So what are some, do you have some advice for me or for our listeners? If you're not doing the festivals, how do you still uh, stay focused this summer? Maybe get something done. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to be focused. Maybe it's time to pursue other interests. What do you do during the summers now that you're maybe not doing festivals? Well, personally, I'm very excited about this summer and I've only became excited yesterday. It's a new, it's a new excitement. Nice. I have contacted one of my old teachers just to talk about some things and she and I are going to like work together this summer and just kind of come up with a plan for what I should do and what I should not do. And, you know, just kind of looking forward into the future, like, I've had thoughts about what I should do in terms of what I should practice or not practice this summer. And I kind of ran it by her and it was the best thing. Cause she gave me permission. Y- do you know what I mean? Like I still feel, even though I'm a grown up, I still feel sometimes like I need permission to not, or somebody to be like, yes, that is a good idea. Affirmation, confirmation, whatever. Um, to, you know, take some time off of the excerpt situation. And I was like, Oh, Great. So I don't know. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, good. Yeah. I don't think wherever you are, it's, you're never too old to oh, get, get some input from totally uh, people that will speak truth into your life. Right. And so I'm excited about that. And so like, I've already had my first assignment. Ooh, wow. You guys are <laughs> oh legit. Yeah. We, we, we get the, we don't wait around, but yeah. So this summer I'm, I'm kind of in the process of formulating a plan, which is great. Cause last summer I had a, my plan was to practice. Uh-huh. That was literally the extent of that plan. And then I watched Netflix 
And I played the violin, but I didn't do a ton of woodshedding work on it, you know? And so I think having a specific plan is more helpful than a vague plan, or at least for me and my personality, you know, because to be like, I'm going to practice and Mm -hmm. get better. You know, that's very vague. And then I feel overwhelmed. And so then I don't do anything because it's too overwhelming, you know, especially if you're working another job, even if, you know, whether it be music related or, or unrelated to music, you're going to be tired and you're going to have limited hours in which to actually be productive on your instrument. And so I think having a clear plan and goal for what you want to do is helpful for that kind of situation. So good. If I may take a moment to be transparent with you guys and the audience, I'm hoping that this summer will be somewhat of a game changer. I've realized that I'm actually quite unhappy with where I'm at as a freelancer, uh, basically just musically. I I really enjoy writing and translating and the bit of um, language related work that I do. And I'm happy with how that's growing. But musically, I realize, you know, that that suffered and I'm, I'm saying yes to gigs or I'm kind of staying in a certain environment because I'm, I've just grown comfortable with the steady money that it brings. Mm-hmm. But during this last project, I realized, or the last two, that that's, that's really not okay. And that's hurting me as a person. And so I'm, you know, making the decision now and, and I'm still on the fence, but it's looking like I'm going to resign basically from from these ensembles or this steady gig playing because I really want to either practice and do some auditions for other things or just give myself the mental and emotional room to find out what I want to do with viola again because I just realized long term playing in in these types of ensembles um, I've climbed the ladder as high as I can and it doesn't look like any of the rungs above me are going to be free anytime soon. Not even in terms of leadership, just, you know, decision-making or influence. And yeah. And so that's a little bit, it's a little bit of a scary decision because, you know, I've got the gigs that I have lined up for the summer and the projects and kind of masterclass things I'll be doing. But come fall, it means a significant part of my income Mm -hmm. will be no longer there. So yeah. So I'm really hoping that summer for me, uh, will be about finding what it is I want to do, making the adult decision about it, uh, and then also also following it. I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Well, yeah. you know, if I don't have that option anymore, it means I really am going to have to practice and really kind of rededicate a significant chunk of my life to viola playing. You know, I'm only going to know if I do it. And so... Yeah, it's really intense at the moment. To clarify, are you saying, are you saying the last couple of months you've um, haven't been putting in the full effort to practice for gigs, and you just sort of been showing up and doing okay and getting by? But it's maybe, that's what's what's not you're not happy about is yeah, like, maybe it's not even really about the gigging. It's like you know, I I play as a member of this of this orchestra and like we have a real, you know, like full official concert season and do all this stuff. But I realized the ensemble is just not getting better and it doesn't seem like they really want to. And there are real, you know, weak areas that people don't want to acknowledge and, and the things we could do to make it better. You know, I voiced my opinion several times and it's been met with silence or even me being told, Oh, you're just too optimistic, you know, (laughs) stop, hold your tongue. And so I just realized 
well, then maybe it really is just best for me to leave. Hmm. And I've never had the courage to do that because I've wanted the money. But now I'm realizing money can't, yeah, it's not going to fulfill me or it's not going to, it's a money can't erase or Mm -hmm. numb that sort of discontentment and like frustration and just emotional emptiness you get when you do unfulfilling work with the instrument that you studied for years and fell in love with and still love. And so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm really excited to see what happens, you know? So you think maybe if you just took the summer off and well, like there's probably not any concerts during the summer, is that, that's not going to be enough time off to when it comes back in the fall, you think it's, it's still going to be, uh, I'm not phrasing this question very well. No, I see what you, mm-hmm. I see what you mean, but I think of it like this. So let's, let's pretend it's like junk food. You know, it might be fun if you have it or it might taste good if you have it every once in a while. But like, if you know you're eating it consistently mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you feel good and you're like, oh, I don't want to eat this anymore. So you stop for a couple months. So you stop for the summer. Well, when you first eat it again, it might taste good. Mm-hmm. You might really enjoy the gig, the 500 euros or whatever you get for the couple of days. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't change the nourishing quality of it. I can go back to it. It can be there, but it's not going to nourish me. It's not going to sure. feed my artistic soul. And it usually like instantly you remember like, oh, like I remember why I didn't want to be here. And yeah. uh, like all the memories just come rushing back. And I think it. so. So what I'm hoping to do is follow some advice that my wife gave a good friend of of ours. Mm-hmm. This is a, a violinist, really talented girl who's gotten super far in auditions and she's won quite a few um, like part-time contracts, you know, half a season, season, like that sort of thing, but never anything full-time. And so she was kind of like, I just don't know if I'm cut out for this or like, you know, this, I don't know what to do with this time in between. And Maria said, well, don't forget that as a musician or as a freelancer, when you're practicing, that's also part of your work. That's also you putting in the time to keep your skill up. A freelancer who has a gig-free week or let's say a gig-free three weeks and they do nothing, that doesn't have to be the case. You can say, awesome. Well, this is instead of doing the gig, this is the time that I'm going to practice. This is me working. I kind of want to think about it like that. The work that I'm doing this summer is really blocked. And so an intense and full week or a week and a half and then a week and a half of nothing. And so that's the time Mm -hmm. that I really want to put in the consistent three, four hours a day of practicing, maybe five if I can. And then the time where I'm quite busy, just, you know, play through the things or just do my warm ups of, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. And that's that. Yeah. That's what I really appreciate about the freelance life is these off weeks. And I sort of think summer is kind of kind of a big extended off week where it's like, hey, you know, maybe instead of one week, you got maybe three months to decide who you want to be or what you want to do. And in some sense, I use that as a catch up week or as like there are all these projects that I that I've been wanting to do. And for so much of when you're in school or when you're in the orchestra season, it's just like just chop wood and carry water, chop wood, carry water. Like you got to just do the, you just got to do the grind. And maybe there's, you know, some other skills or some other qualities that you've been neglecting. Maybe there are people you haven't seen for a while. Maybe there are books you needed to read. Or for me, I I sort of also did some dorky things in the summer. I also um, learned new instruments. (laughs) I, uh, 
say say what you want i learned uh how to play the accordion one summer and i learned how to play the bagpipes another summer both of which have paid back my initial investment of buying uh accordion like i have made money playing so they're not just like also (laughs) nerdy uh hobbies i so i have be proud don't professionally i am i'm very proud i they brought me they brought me great joy, but and it was also like, hey, I don't really have any yeah. gigs. I greatly enjoyed your <laughs> not, instrument. Not everybody. So, I don't know. So that's what I sort of have enjoyed this summer, even though it it, it is, on one hand, it's a, you know, can be stressful if there's not income. On the other hand, you could use your downtime uh, to do really fulfilling activities. Also, that's... Yeah, I think if you don't have summer like a full summer of music plans which i don't i have some stuff here and there like i start off june with two orchestral things and then i go to the beach for a while i'm going to thoroughly enjoy that and not practice and then july has some family stuff and then i teach at a festival for two weeks and if you have a summer that's planned like that and you don't have a ton of work but you have some things here and there that are musical then Definitely enjoy those times of respite and use them to refocus. And I fall into the category, like Jess was mentioning, she ended up watching a lot of Netflix. That was last summer, you said? Yeah, and it was so hot outside. I know. And it's hard, especially when I'm home in New York. It's sweltering. I'm on the top floor. All of the heat has risen. It's trapped in my ceiling. And like the last thing I want to do is practice for four hours in sweat. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, you got to power through those moments because it is worth it at the end of the summer. And for me, like my goals, the last couple of summers have been to learn more Baroque rep. And I find, well, I have to take my double case with me if I'm going to do that. And that's a big hassle. But if I take the double case, I better play the Baroque violin because I'm schlepping that crap around. It's like 200 pound case. (laughs) (laughs) It really is unnaturally heavy. My double case has like hiking backpack straps it like clips in at the chest i look really (laughs) awesome when i wear it so you look super cool yeah i'll post a picture of it later because i look so cool um but yeah i think that you just gotta stick to your goals because it's so easy to let the slimmer slip by take the rest when you need it Mm -hmm. but make goals for yourself you know i had a teacher who gave some really it sounds stupid at first but it was really good advice and she said trying to get two hours of practicing in before you eat lunch. She's like, I don't care if you eat lunch at three. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, that's kind of weird. But then as the summer went on, I noticed that if I did that, it was so much better. Mm-hmm. And because sometimes after lunch, I didn't practice again, <laughs> but like if that was okay, because I got some time in and yeah, but at least you got two hours. I don't you- know. It doesn't even mean you have to get up super early. Like she's like, you don't have to eat lunch at noon. Like you can eat at three, whatever, right. but just make sure you get some practice in before that. And it really that did make a difference. The best advice. Yeah. Uh, I, that is. Yeah. It made such a huge right, difference. Right there. Straight up truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that also that it's like, well, if you right. start later, you can just push lunch later. Like if you still want to get your two hours, it's and so it's like you start to learn getting hungry while you're practicing doesn't feel great. So it's like, right. oh, if I just start early, then I won't be hungry by right. the time I get. But it's also like, OK, done. if you're up late the night before and you sleep in, that's cool. You're, you're still mm-hmm. good. Just do your thing. Yeah. Before you have lunch. And also like your brain worked, my brain worked better before lunch. So. And I think that's also true because like our, if you're working a job also in the summer, chances are when you get done with your job and you come home, if you have to like shower, you're probably 
really tired, chances are you're not going to want to practice after you get done with work. Totally. So I think if you can practice before you start to work, that's that was something that worked for me one summer when I worked at the Pottery Barn. <laughs> yeah, no, I did a I spent a couple summers where I worked in an office building, yeah. and like I thought, oh, it's great, like I'll be I'll be home by six or seven, you know, blah blah. But then a second, still practice. But oh my gosh, like you're tired. Yeah. And I was getting up at like normal human hours, which I don't enjoy very much. And so it was hard. And so the next summer when I did it, I had to have a more realistic and also maybe not simplified, but you know, a more simple, yeah, kind of simple plan about what I wanted to do that summer violin wise, because yeah, my brain was not fresh when I would get home to work and I was tired and Uh then I needed to practice, which required more brain energy than the entire day at my job. But I just spent eight hours doing that job. You know what I mean? So this was stupid. You can cut all that out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be interested to see how things go for you, Christian. And yeah, yeah. We'll have to check back in. Definitely. I think maybe, so this is, this is our, this is a May episode or June episode. This will be May. Mm, Yeah. I think the end of May here still. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fine. So good. So that means, so if, if I can then update you guys mid September, so in three months, look for the Christian Marshall life update. Right. I also sorry if I have a uh, life update is that we're probably moving uh, this summer. So Destination so- unknown. TBD. Yeah. I'm excited. I am too. Yeah, so. Cause it's not me. So I get to watch someone else go through what <laughs> right. I usually go through. <laughs> yeah. So lots of changes here. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right, guys. It's been real. It has been fun. I have been this whole time. I have been Michael Giblin. And I have been Anna Luce. And I have been Jessica Weirsman. I've been Christian Marshall and still am. So I'm Christian Marshall. All right, guys. Is there a mouth trumpet? <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. School's out for the summer. New York. They don't get out till June 28th. Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. They must be sweltering to death in their classrooms. All my nieces and nephews live in the Well, that is our show, folks. If there's one thing you took away from this episode, it should be to go buy a croquet set. Uh, Maybe not. Make a plan. That's it. Can you make a specific plan of what you want your summer to look like? Write it down, stick it on your computer, carry it with you, whatever works for you. Also, the best written plan does you no good if you aren't practicing. So will you join us in practicing two hours before lunch? Ooh. So thank you so much again for spending this hour with us. We would love to hear from you and what you think. If you have some suggestions or let us know what you're struggling with, send us an email to hey at perservice.co. That's H-E-Y at perservice.co. Or you can find us on Instagram. We are at Perservice Podcast. Or you can just leave us a note in an iTunes review, which we would definitely appreciate. And the show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. We would especially like to thank Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lovengood, Sarah Lee, and Ann Bergerman for supporting our show on Patreon. If you enjoy our work, would you consider making a monthly contribution so that we can devote more time to making the show better and more often? If so, 
show, search for our show on patreon.com. Of course, there is a link for it on our show notes page, perservice.co slash 29. And also, we now sell the Per Service Pencil, a fantastic set of seven pencils made by the Camel Pencil Company. You can learn about these and grab a set for you or a friend at perservice.co and click on the tab that says store. In closing, here's a little nugget of insight for the summer by Dennis Waitley. He says, happy people plan actions. They don't plan results. Ooh, I like that. All right. Well, we will see you again in two weeks. Until then, be well and practice well. Well.